Welcome to the Learn It Podcast, where we come together as employees, managers, executives, and learning champions from across the globe to take time to focus on our professional development. Stay tuned to listen and learn from Learn It expert instructors and the Learn It community about a variety of subjects key to success in today's workplace. Whether you're here to upskill, reskill, or simply learn something new, sit tight and let's get ready to learn. So in the next few minutes, what I want to share with you are some ideas about what is burnout, what's the impact of that, how to tell if you're actually burned out or on the path to it, and what you can do about it. I want to share some specific tips to help you with that. So what is burnout? Burnout is different than just plain old stress. I think most people experience stress. Uh, yeah, I hear you, uh, Nadine, you're from South Africa. You might not be able to relate to all the U.S. issues. No worries. Uh, and you may have a, a much different experience where you are. What is burnout? Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It happens when we feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. Given that definition, how many of you think you're headed towards burnout? Emotional, physical, mental exhaustion, excessive and prolonged stress. Heather says, definitely, yes, yep, yep, definitely. They're there already, right, at some point. This is an important thing to understand about burnout. It is not dichotomous. In other words, it's not an on or off proposition. You're not burned out or not burned out. It happens in stages. Okay, so you could start over here and everything's fine and then a little stressed and a little stressed and a little stressed and before you know it, you're just done. So let me share with you five stages of burnout. Here's how to recognize where you are in the stages. So the first stage is actually the honeymoon phase. Now, the World Health Organization uh, declared burnout uh, as uh, an occupational hazard, not necessarily a medical condition. Before COVID, still a four, five pre-COVID, thank you. Uh, so in the honeymoon phase, what this means is, you know, you, you've got some job satisfaction, you're readily accepting responsibility, you have sustained energy levels, you've got, you're optimistic about things, you know, you're ready to go. It's got, it's got that new car smell, right? You're feeling good. You have a compulsion to prove yourself, right? Well, stage two is the onset of stress. And this is where some of that optimism starts to wane. You notice some common stress symptoms affecting you physically, mentally, emotionally, maybe high blood pressure, maybe inability to focus, or you start to become irritable or a lack of sleep or job dissatisfaction or lower productivity. Those are all signs of stage two of burnout. So if you're experiencing any of that, fatigue, forgetfulness, uh, headaches, et cetera, you might be at stage two. Stage three, this just gets worse. This is chronic stress. There's a marked change in your stress levels going from motivation to experiencing stress on a frequent basis. You may also experience more intense system, uh, symptoms like procrastination, resentfulness, repeated tardiness for work, physical illness, tiredness in the mornings, apathy, cynical attitude, chronic exhaustion, denial of problems at home or at work, increased alcohol or drug consumption. That's stage three. Stage four is burnout. When you're in this stage, uh, this is where the symptoms become critical 
burnout is talked about more generally in this stage. Uh, you develop an escapist mentality. You just want to run away. Uh, you know, I'm going to binge watch Netflix. I, I finished Netflix last week, by the way, all of Netflix. <laughs> you start to have self-doubt, a pessimistic outlook on life, chronic headaches, uh, complete neglect of personal needs. You used to show up on the Zoom calls, you know, your hair is done and, and everything. And after about three weeks, you're wearing pajamas. <laughs> At some point, you stop wearing pants <laughs> and then you just turn the camera off. How many of you are there? Just camera off. I don't even care what I'm wearing anymore. I'm binge watching Nurse Jackie right now. I hear you, Ruth. Right. At this stage, at stage four of burnout, you, you want to sort of drop out of society. You have a desire to move away from work, friends, family, etc. At stage five, what we're talking about now is habitual burnout. This means the symptoms of burnout are so embedded in your life, you're likely to experience significant physical or emotional problems, as opposed to occasionally experiencing stress or burnout. Chronic sadness, depression, burnout syndrome, chronic mental fatigue, chronic physical fatigue. So those are the five stages. That's how to recognize where you are. Who's burned out right now? According to a recent Gallup poll, about 23% of employees feel burned out uh, at work very often or always. About 44% of employees say they feel sometimes burned out uh, at work. And there's a real cost to this, folks. Uh, Forbes had an article that said, we spend about 125 to $190 billion every year in healthcare costs related to burnout. 8% of national spending on healthcare is for workplace stress. Burnout often leads to disengaged employees who cost employers about 34% of their annual salary as a result. And 20 to 50% or more of workplace turnover is directly related to burnout. So this is a real thing and it's affecting us in many ways, personally uh, and professionally. The effects of burnout, well, 63% of people are more likely to take a sick day. Half are as half, you're half as likely to discuss how to approach performance goals with your manager. 23% are more likely to visit the emergency room. You're two times 0.6 as likely to leave your current job, 13% less confident in your performance. So those are the direct effects of employee burnout. Some of the consequences physically, personally, according to the Mayo Clinic, excessive stress is a consequence of burnout, fatigue, insomnia. How many of you have noticed your sleep patterns are off since COVID, since working from home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, what is sleep? <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Right? Yeah, I right? Um, and, and so whatever we can do to get more sleep, uh, if we have to turn off the, the, the TV or the internet or shut down our electronic devices, it's, it's important to try to get as much sleep as we can because the less sleep we have, the more prone we are to increase stress. Sadness, anger, or irritability. Anybody feeling any of that stuff? Melissa says since the beginning. Yep, right? Alcohol or substance misuse is a consequence of burnout. Heart, this could lead to heart disease, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes. And the Mayo Clinic says it can also, because of increased stress, make us more vulnerable to illnesses like COVID-19. 
So these are the things that we are looking at. These are the things that we are um, that we're trying to deal with, right? And all of us are experiencing some of this to some degree or another, a little more, a little less, et cetera. So what can I do to fight burnout? There's one technique to help relieve your relieve stress in the moment called brain breathing. And this technique utilizes breathing to take control of the brain. We have a bunch of parts of our brain, but, but basically we have two parts that sort of rule us. There's the logical, rational, reasoning, thinking portion, and then there's the lizard brain, emotional portion, right? So the prefrontal cortex handles all that high level decision-making and thinking that processes things a little slower than our emotional brains. We are hardwired to look for threats. Is something going to get me, right? So that's going to process things first. So when we're thinking clearly, that frontal part of our brain is working. But when we perceive a threat like, oh, I don't know, the sky is orange, the forest is on fire, uh, unemployment, <laughs> COVID-19, any of the things that we've all been dealing with, then that thinking brain shuts down and that emotional brain takes over. And we don't always make the best decisions when we're operating from that, uh, that emotional brain. So one of the ways to get that thinking brain back into control is to do a technique called brain breathing. And what that is, is very simple. You count. When you, fall, when you find yourself just being stressed out about something, if you can just remember that moment, count. Count what? I don't know, anything, numbers. One, two, three, you can count out loud, you can count in your head. Because counting activates both the mathematical and language areas of the brain. So when we start counting, we activate six to eight different areas of our brain that aren't our limbic brain, the emotional brain. And if we combine this with conscious breathing, that stimulates our vagus nerve and helps to reduce stress. So if we can combine counting with breathing, then uh, we get a chance to engage our conscious, our thinking brain, move away from our emotional uh, brain and also activate the vagus nerve and reduce stress. Intentional breathing activates brain areas that control paying attention, anticipating reward, controlling impulses, acting on ethics and monitoring decisions. So here's the technique. Feel free to do this with me. Get in a comfortable position. Now, I don't think anybody can physically do this. So we're just going to imagine this. We're going to visualize in our minds, breathing in one nostril and out the other. Again, I don't think you can do circular breathing with your nose, but just imagine in your mind that you're breathing in one nostril and out the other. While we're doing that, we're going to count in our minds on the inhale and we're going to count on the exhale. We're going to count to four on the inhale, Hold it for four, then we're going to count on the exhale. So let's try it. And just breathe normally in. Hold. Exhale. If you're not congested, if you can breathe through your nose and then out through your mouth, try that. Try that again. In. Hold. Exhale.
if you practice this slow, intentional breathing with counting, you may notice an immediate shift in your mood. How did you all feel when we were doing the breathing with the counting and holding it? How'd you all feel? Focused, thank you, Roel. Relaxed, relaxed. Calm, thank you, Kelly. Calm, Haley. Steady, great word, Heather. Calm, grounded, yes, Sarah. And this is free, <laughs> it has an immediate uh, benefit and it's available to us anytime we can remind ourselves to breathe. So whenever you're having some difficulty, some stress, you know, from whatever's going on, oh God, another Zoom meeting or the kids or the dog or just life, watching the news, et cetera. In. And do this slowly, hold. And out again. That's one technique. Breathe your way through the stress in the moment. I know this isn't rocket science, and I know we've probably all heard breathing a million times before, but sometimes in the middle of stress, we forget to do those things that are that, that are grounding for us, that are nurturing and, and healing for us. So uh, if this is about reminding ourselves of what actually works. Let me give you some other tips for how to deal with uh, burnout, uh, especially working from home now as so many of us are. One suggestion is to have defined work hours and boundaries. Uh, geography used to set this for us. We had home and then we got in our car or transportation and then we went to a place called work. And then we worked and then we got back in our transportation. We got to wind down and then we went back home. Many of us working from home don't have that now. It's like I go from my bed to the kitchen <laughs> or the dining room or wherever I have my home office set up and my commute's like five seconds. So I don't have that same geographic boundary to make a shift in my thinking, home mode, work mode. So what I've recommended to people is have clearly defined work hours. I'm gonna work from this time to this time. And then I'm also gonna have strict non-work times. From this time to this time, I'm not working. I don't call me. And I know this doesn't work for everybody because you might be in situations where you have to be on call or you're an essential worker or something like that. But where possible, where applicable to you have defined work hours and boundaries and non-work times. One little hack that I've shared with some groups is in the morning when you get up and you should get up at a certain time, get dressed, shower, do your morning routine, maybe, you know, spend a little time meditating, yoga, exercise, whatever. Before you go to your workplace in your home, physically get up and leave your house. Walk outside the door, even if you just stand outside the door for a moment, make sure you take your keys with you, right? When you stand outside your door, tell yourself when you turn around, I'm going to work now. Then walk back in, sit down and put your work hat on. Have breaks throughout the day, okay? Then when it's time to leave work, you get up and physically leave your house again. Walk outside the door, take your keys with you, take a couple of breaths, take a couple of steps, whatever you need to do, then walk back in and tell yourself, I'm going home now. 
it might be a Jedi mind trick to, to help you adjust your thinking to work time and non-work time because most of us don't have this anymore. Interesting idea. Glad you like that. Yeah, maybe a small walk first, right? Absolutely, Shannon. Set boundaries around your work use of digital devices during off hours. There are some people who have fallen into a really bad habit of just trying to work 24-7. Any of you run into that? Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to work all the time now. I'll work until I fall, fall over. Yeah, stop that. <laughs> it's not healthy. It's not helping. So when you're not working, right, take your, take your phone and turn it off. Unless you have to have it on for emergencies or you're on call or, you know, you're a first responder or something like that. But if you can, you know, just set the notifications to off. This is what I do after after my work hours are over. I just turn my notifications off. And if somebody wants me, they'll call me. I'll leave my ringer on. And then at night, I'll, I'll shut the ringer off, right? So, and, and then I, I'm not on my phone constantly uh, or have my email on constantly. Incorporate regular breaks into your workday, right? Make sure you're taking what you used to have a coffee break or a, or a walk break or a tea break or whatever. Make sure you have regular breaks, including breaks for lunch. And maybe a, a break every now and then through the day just to breathe and relax and step away from it all. Here are some other tips for handling job burnout. Evaluate your options. What can you do? So one of the things, uh, yeah, I feel you, Kathy, so exhausted from sitting in front of the computer, no energy to check your personal email or do what you need. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Do you have those unavailable hours clearly established with your staff? Yep. <laughs> Folks, no, don't call me at like 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> not answering the phone. Um, I, I often talk about this thing in many classes called the circles of control. And if you want to draw this on something, feel free. There's a little tiny circle in which you can actually do something. You can take action and make something happen. I call that the circle of control. It's a little circle. Around that one, these are concentric rings. Around that circle is your circle of influence. These are things that maybe you can do something about. You can influence. Maybe you have to work with other people, right? But, okay, you might be able to influence an outcome. Outside of that circle is a giant circle that I call STEMM, and it's an acronym, S-T-Y-M-M, -M, stuff that makes you mad. <laughs> and for a lot of folks, this is where we focus a lot of our energy and attention on all the stuff that makes us mad that we have zero power over, zero control over. I can't control the weather. I can't control the fires. I can't control Congress. I can't control... Uh, my job, what can I control, right? I can control whether I go outside or not. I can control whether I wear a mask or not or social distance. I can control the things that are right in front of me. So evaluate your options for how you spend your energy and attention based on what you can control, what you can influence, and the stuff that makes you mad. If you want to be mad about it, set a time for that. Okay, I'm going to be mad about this for 30 seconds. Go. Ah! Okay, done. Thank you. <laughs> and go back to the stuff you can control. I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm not saying it's immediate, except for the breathing part. Uh, but I'm saying it's necessary if you want to maintain some sense of sanity. 
Number two, seek support. There is no sin or shame in asking for help. If you're struggling, okay, yeah, a lot of folks are struggling. Reach out to those who have a little capacity, whether that's a friend, a family member, uh, a colleague, uh, your boss. Uh, if your company has an employee assistance program, reach out and take advantage of that. They have trained professionals on staff who can help you with whatever it is you're going through. Substance abuse, uh, depression, sleeplessness, stress, burnout, financial issues, et cetera. So use your EAP. As Roel said, EAP works, right? Check that out, folks. If you have it as part of your benefits package, take advantage of it, especially in times like these. Try some relaxing activity, right? Step away from it for a while. You, you know what a, one relaxing activity is I enjoy? Doing nothing. <laughs> there are times when, and I feel whatever somebody said earlier about just, you know, looking at the screen all day. There are times I'm like, I just got to turn this stuff off. I just got to turn all the monitors off, shut everything down and walk away. And if that means I just sit and look out the window for a period of time, then I do that. For some people, they like to read or they like to cook or they like to, you know, go on YouTube and learn a new skill, a hobby, a dance, right? Whatever it might be, uh, to find something to help you relax. And even if that relaxing is you, you taking a nap, right? But try to step away from the chaos. Get some exercise. I know that's been a challenge for some people because, you know, the air quality hasn't always been great in some parts or, you know, you used to go to the gym, but now the gym has closed down. I have a very dear friend who is a certified fitness professional, and she had a lot of clients uh, that she uh, taught and coached at the gym. Well, gym shut down. So now what? Well, she's been coaching people, you know, through through video and online, and she and I were uh, doing some things. And one day I discovered a new exercise called laundry lift. I went in my closet. I grabbed a couple of bags of laundry <laughs> and just started lifting. Them. It's like, hey, if you got enough dirty clothes, you can get a good workout doing that. We also did an amazing exercise with each other for about a month and a half at our respective homes. Uh, we never actually saw each other, but we did this thing called grounding. Has anybody heard about that? You go, you, you, you find a patch of, of, of dirt or grass and you just put your bare feet in contact with the grass, with the dirt, right? Uh, and so every day for like a month and a half, we would go to our respective places. She would go to her backyard. I would go to mine. We just put our bare feet in the grass and just sit there in nature for a few minutes, right? What do I do? Nothing. Just sit there with your feet connected to the earth and just breathe. And that was that was so cool. And, and we would like take pictures of our feet and text them to each other just to provide accountability to one another. See, I got, I'm doing it. Okay, I'm doing it. So that was a fun thing. Get some sleep. I know that's been really challenging for a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, you got to work it out. One, one of the ways that helps me is um, I have, I have a divider in my, in my space. And so it's between where I sleep and where I work, right? So I just put a divider up so that when I come over to this side, I'm working. When I go to that side, on the other side of the divider, I'm not working. And it, it blocks my view of my computer and, and desk. And so when I'm sleeping, I just have the bed and a nightstand uh, and maybe a book that I'm reading, right? Not a lot of stuff in my sleep area. Another suggestion for uh, getting more sleep is make sleep a ritual. 
In other words, have a regular bedtime. If that's hard for you and you have kids, do you have a regular bedtime for your kids? Look how smart you are. If it makes sense to have one for your kids, it makes sense to have one for you. So have a regular bedtime and then about an hour before your regular bedtime, start shutting things off. Log off of social media, log off of Netflix, turn off your phone, and then just start to dial down the noise in your life. If you need to make a to-do list that your brain is thinking about, oh gosh, what about this? Just get a pad and write down the stuff that your brain is thinking about and allow yourself to dial down and ease into sleep. It's really difficult to get to sleep if you've just finished watching a movie or you've been active on social media arguing with someone on the internet. <laughs> There's a funny cartoon. Honey, come to bed. I can't. Someone's wrong on the internet. <laughs> right? And practice mindfulness. What is mindfulness? It's the act of focusing on your breath, your flow, and being intensely aware of what you're sensing and how you're feeling at every moment without interruption, without judgment, without interpretation. So this practice, this, this involves you just looking at where you are. And in some cases kind of popping outside of yourself and going, how am I behaving right now? What am I doing? Is this how I want to be feeling? If this is not how I want to be feeling, let me change that. Um, I think it was Viktor Frankl that talked about there is, um, there's a space between stimulus and response. Something happens and then we react to it. The space in between the stimulus and the reaction is the space where we have the power to choose. And if I can increase the space between what happens and how I react to it, then I go from reaction to response. This is an aspect of mindfulness. And it's a, it's a thing that I have to constantly practice. Something happens and rather than immediately reacting to it, pause. If necessary, just put your hand over your mouth. That's your body language cue to yourself to shut up. <laughs> Don't say the first flaming thing that comes up, comes to mind. Take a few deep breaths. And then think about how you want to respond. What outcome would you like to have? And what behavior do you need to shift into that gives you a better chance of having that outcome? This is a critical aspect of practicing mindfulness, increasing the space between the stimulus in your life and how you respond to it. EQ, absolutely, Daniel, emotional intelligence. So those are some steps for how to, for, so we've talked about what is burnout, how do I recognize it? What's the impact of it? What do I do about it? Thank you for joining us on the Learn It podcast. We wish you well on your learning journey and see you next time.